My name is Josh, and um, if we haven't met, I'd love to get to know you. Like Lynn said, we are a, a few weeks into our Love One Another series. Um, today we're going to pick up where we left off last week. So last week we talked about, I started sh- you know, sharing an, on building healthy relationships by growing in communication. And, and this week, these two messages go, ba- go back to back. So I was really, um, it was really helpful to be able to do both of these messages together because these, they flow into each other so well. Um, about building healthy connection this morning. And so just a recap from last week, while we, while we may communicate for many different reasons, some, some good reasons and some bad reasons, the true goal of communication must be to connect and understand one another. And we talked about that last week. This week we're looking at building healthy connections with others. Our topics for this morning are going to be creative for connection, talking about needs and connection, expectations, talking about interconnected relationships and the benefits of kingdom relationships. So growing in connection is, is an important part of the progress the practice, and the act of displaying the love of God for another person. Say that again. Growing in connection is part of the, it's an important part of the progress, the practice, and the act of displaying love, of the love of God for another person. Whether it's a friend, a sibling, a spouse, a child, a coworker, or someone you just met, it's important to grow in connection. God is inviting and calling individuals, families, and this church body together to take Jesus' words to heart when he said, when he tells us, love one another as I have loved. His promise is that through our love, the world will see him and know that we belong to him because of the way that we love each other. Jesus is inviting us to a different kind of love and a deeper connection than the world has to offer. We need the help of the Holy Spirit to be transformed in the way we do relationships and in the way that we connect with them. The desire of God's heart is to share deep connection with us. He comes close to us, and he draws us closer and closer to him. And at the same time, he points us to other people. He draws us closer to him, he draws closer to us, and at the same time, he points us to other people. So let's come close to him this morning. Let's ask him to continue to draw us into his truth and love until we're transformed and it flows through us the people around us. Let's pray. Yeah. Father, thank you for this morning. Thank you for the people in this room. I thank you for those listening later online. God, I just thank you that your presence is here. You're here right now with us. I thank you that you're present, that you're not far away. God, I ask that you would make us aware of how close you are this morning. Draw us into your truth and love. Let us be changed by Transform our minds. Clean up any affected wounds that we might have in our soul and bandage us, God. Heal brokenness. I said even right now you would bring hope to people where there might be lacking hope, where there is no hope. I'd ask for fresh perspectives this morning. Lead us into your way of life, Jesus. We want to stand before you and say we learned to love well because we've lived in your love. We want the people that we encounter to, to see your love because we carry it. 
I ask that you would speak to us this morning. Help me communicate this message clearly in, in alignment with what you're saying and what you're already doing. His name. So we're made for connection with God. And we're made for connection with people. This is something that Jay Pathak, if you know who Jay Pathak is, he's the, he's the leader, the national leader of, of the Vineyard Movement. And he was actually in town a couple of weeks ago in a, at a conference in Coleraine um, that was um, called Kingdom Pursuit Conference um, at Northwest Vineyard. And he was shared um, a few nights, or, or actually a few, more than two nights, or a few sessions. But the first night he shared, and he, he talked about this thing I'm going to share with you guys this morning, how we're connected, we're made for connection. It's really nice how God will speak through another person's message to you while you're listening. And even if the context is different, he'll highlight the things that you've been pressing into even and give you new perspectives on that. And so that's, that was really um, awesome that he shared this in, in the midst of our series. So let's just um, think about this. Let's w- look what w- all the way back at the beginning of the story in Genesis, right? Chapters 1 and 2. These chapters serve, serve as the prologue to the history of God's relationship with humanity. And that same story, it's continuing today. It hasn't stopped. It's continuing today. And we're part of that story, okay? Genesis chapter 1 starts in the beginning. That's a very good way to start something, right? In the beginning. So in the beginning, God's preparing the heavens and the earth. And the earth existed in a place of confusion, chaos, emptiness, waste, and void. And God begins to prepare the earth to be inhabited. And we read in chapter 1, we read about his pattern, God's pattern in, in creation. And the pattern goes something like this. God speaks and things come into existence. Each time he reflects on what he just did, and he looks and sees and he declares it that it's good, right? He speaks into creation and it's good. He speaks and things are separated and find their right place and it's good. He by his word, he brings order, and it's good. He gives definition, and it's good. He fills his creation with new life, and it's good. It's good, it's good, it's good. And then in Genesis 2, we read about the beginning of God's family. It comes in close. We read that God forms a man and breathes his own breath into him, giving him life. And he puts this man in the garden in Eden to cultivate it and to tend it and take care of it. And what happens? All of a sudden, we read that it's not good. Something's wrong. What's not good? God did this. What's, 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 what, what's not working? What's needed? You guys know the saying, there's a God-shaped hole in us? Have you heard that saying before? Yeah. The God-shaped hole concept states that every person has a void in his or her soul or life that can only be filled by God. The God-shaped hole is the innate longing of the human heart or something outside of itself, something transcendent, something other, you know? That idea that we're made for God and only God can, by God can we be filled, that's 100% true. God made humanity for eternal purposes, his eternal purposes, and only God can fulfill our desire for, for eternity. This desire can only be filled by God and therefore be likened to a God-shaped hole. The problem, though, is that humanity ignores this hole or attempts to fill it with, every other thing than God, right? That's the problem. Just as a square peg can't fit in a round hole, neither can the God-shaped hole in us be filled by anyone or anything other than God. Only through personal relationship 
with God can we, and faith in Jesus can the God-shaped hole be filled. And so if you're, you're here this morning and, and this is new to you, uh, we want to share something with you. Um, today's the day of salvation. <laughs> Today, like, God's coming close. He wants to fill those things. If, if you've tried to fill it with every other thing and it's only gotten worse, he wants to fill you with himself. He wants to bring you into new life. He wants to take you out of darkness, out of emptiness and bondage and depression into his love that never ends. And the love of God cannot be separated by anything that you've done in your past or present. So come and receive his love. Let him fill you with new life and, and he'll fill that hole himself. So let's go back to the garden. In this place where heaven and earth are overlapping, God is with the man, Adam, and he's present. They're as close as they could, they could be at this point. But there's still something missing. There's still something missing. It's not good, right? Something all of the animals in creation and even God, the Father himself, will not fill, fill purposefully by design. There's a need and it's going unmet. And it's not good. Here's the... Here's the thing, Adam is the only one of his kind, okay? So God puts the man to sleep, and he opens up his side and creates a woman out of man. This is bone of my, bone, of my bone, flesh of my flesh, right? One who balances him, a counterpart to, to him, and one who can re- relate equally. And they live in this connection that, and it says that they're naked and they're not ashamed. And what that, I think that means is that they shared, they looked into the deepest parts of each other without fear of what the other would see. Right? They're vulnerable. They look into the deepest parts of each other without fear. Eve is his wife, yeah, but, but we have to understand that she's also a stand-in for the rest of humanity. God makes a people-sized shaped hole in humanity that, in humanity that can only be filled with people. We're made to be in real connection with real humans. This is huge. We need other people. God has made us with the need for others. And so, the, and with the need to share ourselves with others unguarded. God created the universe and everything in it to be in relationship with him and one another, to be part of a family, his family. And the enemy hated that. The enemy hated so much that he sabotaged those connections in the garden. The enemy actually used the human connection to violate their connection and with, with each other and with God. They both ate of the fruit, right? When, when the, there's a temptation, they both did that together. The enemy tempted them, they, he lied to them, and they both did that together. And that's not what was supposed to happen. Actually, God gave them authority over those things. And, and God created them to help and protect one another and remind each other of the truth about who God is and who they were, but they, but they bought into the lie together. When that, when that happened, humanity came out of the covering of truth and their connection was fractured and, and they were now actually turned against one another. They saw their nakedness and they're afraid and they hid. When they were found out by God and questioned by God, they started playing the blame game. Right? They stepped out of the blessing and abundant life that God had for them in their connection and their love, and they stepped into a curse of broken connections and striving. But Jesus came to set things right. He set, set things back and comes to set things right in our lives again and again, every time we need it. Jesus is here to bring us back into alignment, back into truth, and to undo what the enemy has done and what we've done to each other. 
He teaches us a new, Jesus teaches us a new way to relate to one another and love one another. Paul says in Ephesians 1, God decided in advance to adopt us into his own family, to bring, him to, bring us to himself through Jesus Christ. This is what he wanted to do, and it gave him great pleasure. Great pleasure. We're part of his family again, even better than before. A connection that will never be broken again. It was the Father's great pleasure to bring us to himself through Jesus. Our motto for connection in all types of relationships is Jesus because that's what the Father sent him to do, bring us into connection. And he did it excellently. One thing that Jesus always did was reveal God as a Father, our Father. And in doing this, he was making a statement that we're part of the family. We're part of his family. He calls us the family. And so we must get comfortable with, with the idea that even as born-again believers, even though we have Christ living in us, and with him there's everything that we need for life and godliness, even though that, that he meets every deep need within the design even of the new humanity, God has still created us for connection with people. By design, he will only allow that space to be filled by others. So there are no lone wolves. There's no, there are no islands in the kingdom of God, in the family of God. We're family. We can't do this on our own. We all have, learned, we all have room to, gr to grow and learn and making deeper heart connections with the people in our lives, the people we meet, no matter opinions, no matter past, no matter fears. The truth is that we're made to be in connection with others. Paul, speaking to the church in Rome, says in Romans 12, let the inner movement of your heart always be to love one another. Be devoted to tenderly loving your fellow believers as members of one family. Try to outdo yourselves in respect and honor of one another. Skipping down to 13 and 16, he says, take a constant interest in the needs of God's beloved people and respond by helping and eagerly welcome all kinds of people as guests into your home. Speak blessing, not cursing, over those who reject and persecute you. Celebrate with those who celebrate. More, you know, weep with those who weep. Mourn with those who mourn. Live happily together in the spirit of harmony, as mindful of one another's worth as you are of your own. This means that the way I carry myself and my position towards others must be out of love and acceptance. And it means the same thing for you. Acceptance here is not holding people at arm's length until they clean up their messes or until they fix everything or until they're worthy. It means having arms open and embracing the person without their past or their present getting in the way of our love for them. Okay? Our capacity and the way that we grow in connect connectedness matters a lot. As image bearers and as representations of Jesus and the love of God, our future depends mightily on the ability to connect despite differences of expression and opinions, and our ability to pursue others and work through any disagreements or disconnections we have. So we, we all belong to the world in, in concentric circles of relationships, different kinds of relationships. Some are more distant, others are closer to us. Some with people different than us and others more sim similar. We know, of course, that there's levels and types of connection within different types of relationships that we have. For example, I have to connect with my wife in, in different levels and in different ways than, say, with Parker, right? 
because I'm in a covenant relationship with my wife in a different way than I'm in my friendship and covenant friendship with Parker. I need to connect with my son in a, on different levels and in different ways than, say, a cashier at the store, right? We understand that. No matter our proximity, though, to others, no matter what that looks like, no matter what kind of relationship we have, connection is still at the heart of it. It's about being t- turned towards people, learning about who they are, growing in healthy communication, and connecting at heart, level, heart levels and walking in unconditional love. Because God is working to bring everyone into his family, and you're part of that work. You're part of that work. And so there's a lot to be said about this, and there's probably too much to be contained in one or two messages or even a whole series. But I want to take a simple look at connection and then and take a step back before we move forward. And so let's just talk about basic human needs and connection. So um, I showed a chart in the message that was part of a series titled Compassion for People that we did back in 2021, last year, the spring. And this visual that we're going to show here was created by a mid-1900s psychologist named Abraham Maslow. Maslow. Maslow studied what humans needed to, li- to live as successfully as possible. And in time, he developed what he called a hierarchy of needs. This theory can be depicted as these stacking um, sets of needs that must successfully be met for people to mature to their fullest expression of their humanity. So let's just look at this graphic real quick. Uh, this Maslow guy wasn't you know, writing from a lit- religious perspective. I don't know if he was a Christian or not. I think it's fascinating how each one of these correlates to the design of the gospel. Psychology finds that to be fully human, we need exactly what the gospel provides for us for each one of these areas of life. According to Maslow, the first need is to have our basic physical survival needs met, right? Food, water, shelter. We all need that, right? We'd be dead if we didn't have those things, right? Um, And once our basic survival needs are met, the next stage is we need security, to be safe, to be out of immediate danger. This implies an environment where we can build our lives without fear of attack or the need to defend ourselves. The next need is for love and belonging. We have a need to fit. We have a need to be part of a family or a community, to be loved as we are and be supported emotionally. As we continue along the pyramid, the next need is esteem or self-respect. We need to develop a positive concept, self-concept, and love ourselves in a healthy way. And this will become, come to a place where we believe in ourselves and we begin to define what we want for our lives. We can stand for our own beliefs and values in the midst of what others may prefer. It's a place of finding our identity. All right? And the final level of the pyramid here is significance and purpose. Maslow spoke of self-actualization and self-transcendence as being the fullest representation of ourselves as we live our lives driven by a purpose, something that goes beyond us. And we need to find a purpose. We need to find significance, and we need to find places of growth and expression. Those things are at the top. Basically, our calling and our destiny, right? Looking at just the basics of all these needs and the hierarchy, we realize that at the core of almost all of our connections are, in life are based and start with connecting over our needs to some level, right? We connect over needing, well, food, water, you know, rest. We connect on needing shelter, stability, security. We want to be part of a, you know, belong somewhere, part of a family, part of a connection. And, and as we go on, you know, we, we connect over these different things. 
As we grow in relationship with others, or we're seeing our common needs met, or over shared interests or goals or shared seasons of life, our connections grow deeper. And then we get to this point where we have a decision to make. We reach this level where we get to decide if we're going to express vulnerability and build deeper, deeper trust in areas that go beyond the surface and into areas where we might not share common interests. Right? And this is intimacy that we talked about last week. I'm not talking about sex, but certainly sex is a big element of this in a marriage, right? What I'm talking about is having true intimacy with our friendships and our relationships and in our marriage. It's about allowing people to see into us and seeing into them and loving and accepting what's there. Honoring, respecting, and upholding the level of connection, even if our experiences or our needs are not the same. All the things we talked about in regards to the goal of communication last week. Building intimate connections in our relationships requires building building an evidence of trust and choice. This is a series of cognitive decisions to build upon the connections that have naturally occurred when we're turned towards one another. When we open ourselves up even more in the areas that are different. Trust and honor and acceptance are not imaginary things. They're, they're not optional. Okay? They're not optional. They take time to cultivate and maintain. Renee Brown, an American professor, lecturer, and author, you may have seen her TED Talk at some point. She's known in particular for her research in shame, vulnerability, and leadership. She says, we're hardwired for connection, and there's no arguing with the bioscience. But we want it so badly that we're trying to hotwire it. This plays out when we overshare parts or details in our lives in order to force specific connection with someone we're not already connected with in those areas. Many people in new romantic relationships selfishly take shortcuts to try to hotwire connection and intimacy in order to meet their needs quickly. Many times this results in using a person and then dropping them to the side when the person tries to connect for real or when their quick fix for their needs are no longer met by the person. We've got to look beyond selfish quick fixes to meet our needs and really take the time to develop true, healthy connection and real intimacy. And that's, that, that takes time. Right? We're not doing this for selfish motives. We have to understand that one person is not going to meet all of our needs. There's no way. We have needs that only God can fill. We have needs that only we can fill. We have needs that are only met by working together with people that God has placed in our life to specifically meet those needs. And there are needs that, even needs that we, we must go seek out people that aren't currently in our lives to help us work through and meet, right? Because this is true, it requires us to examine our expectations. Lynn wrote about this really well in our journals this past week, if you were doing them, and it was really challenging. Um, clarifying, clarifying expectations has, again, to do with healthy communication. The goal, again, is not to understand, but to have our hearts connect. And healthy communication needs are expressed, and we work together to see those needs met. It's impossible for you or I to meet all of the needs of another person. And if someone's expecting that of us, to do that for them, then we need to clearly let them know that we're not responsible for that and we'll not try to do that for them. We need to clearly let them know that. At the same time, when we're in a covenant relationship like a marriage, there are things that we have vowed to one another and uphold, right? 
And the healthy view is that you'll do those things. There's not going to be a question asked in that covenant relationship if this person can uphold those things. Connection then is about making space to communicate and understand, to come closer, to love well, intentionally listening and asking, how best can I love that person in the moment or in the ways you've committed yourself to them? Philippians 2, 3 through 4 says, Do nothing from selfish or empty conceit, but with humility consider one another as more important than yourself. Do not merely look out for your own personal interests, but also the interests of others. Through Paul's words, we see the importance of taking time to understand what someone else thinks. When we consider someone else's way of thinking, we can reevaluate what our, expect, our expectations should be in that relationship. There are healthy and unhealthy expectations we all carry on, okay? And if not, most of the breakdowns that happen in our relationships or our friendships or, or beyond come from those healthy and unhealthy expectations not being communicated clearly. When that breakdown happens, it's usually because that, those expectations are not communicated clearly. Because we've assumed that the person knows. They just know, or they should know, right? Or we've created a space in which there's a lack of safety to communicate. That's how the breakdowns happen. So here's some unhealthy expectations. Number one, expecting that someone should meet all or any of my needs. Second one is expecting that I can meet all or any of anyone else's needs. Expecting to meet my expecting someone to meet my expectations before I can connect with them further. Another unhealthy one is have expecting to have intimacy with someone without building healthy connections. Another unhealthy expectation is expecting someone to have it all together or to change before I can connect with them. Another one is having the view that I am the person to change them is what I expect them to be. We can't change anyone or expect anyone to change us. We must take responsibility for our own inner self and remain connected with God for transformation. And one last unhealthy expectation has to do with love and our love languages. I won't get into what all the love languages are, but I'll say that it's th that understanding that we have love languages and that communicating them to other people is really important. It offers opportunities for deeper connection. The unhealthy expectation that we sometimes carry is expecting someone to love us in all the ways that we need to be loved. Right? We have that expectation. It usually means that we believe that when they're not meeting our needs in that area, if that person isn't loving us in the way that we want them to, it means they don't love us. That's not true. It's simply not true, right? We can't control the way that other people love us. All we can do is share the ways that we best feel loved and share the ways that we express love. This plays out quite differently in different types of relationships, of course. Parenthetically, if we want to build healthy connections, we will listen to the love languages of other people that we're in deepest connections with and we'll try to love them in those ways, even if it's new or stretching, even if it's not the way that we usually express love, right? Because we want deeper connections. Healthy progression and connections can be seen in the journey of dependence, independence, and interdependence. What do I mean by that? A baby, a toddler, a child, right? They're dependent on other people to meet their needs. They require others to provide them, the, provide for them physically and emotionally. As parents, we're expected to meet those needs. 
A toddler can't decide intentionally, purposefully to make a heart connection, right? But, but looks to others who can meet their needs for those types of connections. As we grow older, though, we learn how to be independent. We learn how to understand our needs. We learn how to meet our own needs and learn how to have our needs met without the people who met them when we were younger. And if we have a healthy journey, we land at this place called interdependent. An interdependent relationship is when two people, both strong individuals, powerful people, are involved with each other, but without sacrificing their identity or compromising their values. Each person values their own sense of self and can be fully themselves, but also joined in connection. Interdependence is not codependent. As an adult who is codependent, usually, usually relies on other people for their sense of identity, well-being, worth, and fulfillment. When we're in codependent relationships, we, have, we tend to be lean heavily on the other person, right? For our emotional needs, we need someone else to make us feel okay to be ourselves. There's just some characteristics of a codependent relationship might look like or can include placing blame on each other, excessive people-pleasing, not respecting boundaries, reacting versus responding, unhealthy communication, manipulation, difficulties with emotional intimacy, controlling actions, low self-esteem of one or both partners. When a relationship becomes codependent, it rapidly becomes unhealthy. With a diminished sense of uniqueness and authenticity, it, it just crumbles. The problem starts to creep in when we've crossed the line from caring deeply for one another to being codependent, and the relationship becomes founded on fear. If that, if that person is going to meet my needs or not, right? If that person is going to be there for me to feel okay, to feel whatever. This type of relationship makes growth impossible, and it pushes each part partner actually away from each other. When we lose our self, sense of self, we can no longer be ourselves, and instead we, we turn, and our, turn our focus on everything else to try to find our worth and sense of self. Healthy relationships, interdependent relationships, require two people to be capable of autonomy, the ability to function independently. When couples love each other, it's normal to feel attacked to have desire and be close, to be concerned for each other, to depend on each other. Their lives are intertwined and they're affected by and need each other. However, they share power equally and take responsibility for their own feelings, their own actions, their own contributions to the relationship. Healthy interdependence distinguishes the, the needs of both partners okay? and helps to meet those needs, each separately, but in a meaningful and supportive way. These couples find a balance between time spent on individual pursuits and time spent together doing what they both love. And in an interdependent relationship, both partners make effort to support in one another's needs and physical and, and emotional needs without demanding or controlling each other. Each person brings their own feelings and their own sense of worth to the relationship and their own decisions which helps them to lean on each other during crisis without losing their self. Characteristics of healthy interdependence can, can include finding time for personal interest, clearing consistent communication, taking personal responsibility for actions, respecting healthy boundaries, empathetic listening, vulnerability while still feeling safe, and healthy self-esteem. When these qualities are present, a relationship becomes a safe place where each partner is a, has 
you know, the ability to exist secure, the support has support within and without the relationship and outside of the relationship. The foundation for this kind of healthy relationship is an agreement is an agreement to practice unconditional acceptance and love. It says you get to be you and I get to be me in this relationship, but we're purposefully intentionally coming together. I want you here. I want you close to me. I want to be connected. So continuing to build healthy connections in our relationships requires that we maintain the posture which says, I don't need this relationship to fill the needs that only God can fill. Right? I don't need it to define me. I don't need it to give me my identity. I don't need it to guide me or meet my needs it wasn't designed for. But I want to be in this relationship because I want to really know this person and receive them. I know I was made for connection with people, so I desire that from this person. This is the place where we get to receive the best of what God's placed on someone's life, and we get to share the best of what God's placed on our life. The central challenge in staying mature in relationships is to find the balance between being a separate person and a connected person. Keeping your individuality is about managing your anxiety, addressing your personal insecurities, and changing the irresponsible aspects of your behavior, not someone else's behavior. If I have a desire to improve a relationship, it's gonna be it's gonna go a lot better for me if I work on me, not try to work on them. Right? I know it might seem impossible, we can actually move towards each other by choosing to work on our on us. To finish, I just want to share on heart connections in the kingdom family, so to, just to bring it full circle. God connects the hearts of believers together in a family to display Christ on. These hearts are woven into a beautiful picture of Christ and his love for the world that they can see and touch and feel and they can be, be present. Heart-to-heart connections in the kingdom of family have powerful implications in the supernatural realm as well. When God's people are connected at the heart level, there's so much power in it. They can move mountains. They can break demonic strongholds. They can displace principalities that hold regions and unjust systems of oppression. God connects people together as he desires, not necessarily where people want in the natural, right? He's brought us all here, whether we wanted to be here or not, we're here, connected, right? In this space together right now. God has placed, each, has placed the members, each one of them in the body, just as he desired, 1 Corinthians 12, 18. We're fitted together as puzzle pieces, and each has its proper place to form a complete picture and that complete picture is Jesus. So just to end here, are four major benefits that I think we receive when we grow in our connections to our kingdom family. Number one, we discover the mystery. Mystery of Christ is revealed to the hearts of those who are divinely connected in love. Their hearts may be encouraged, having been knit together in love, resulting in a true knowledge of God's mystery, and that is Christ himself. There's some truths which people can discover without divine connections, but there are other truths that are revealed only through these kind of truths, right? In the kingdom family. The Holy Spirit reveals mysteries to you for the sake of those who are connected to you. I share those things. My spiritual eyes were enlightened after I became connected to a spiritual family. I've been transformed by the renewing of my mind through anointed teaching by my friends, by sharing life through times of connecting together with the Holy Spirit in worship and prayer, you know, in community transformed by those things. Another benefit is that we're strengthened by grace together in the family. 
God's kingdom. In God's kingdom, we're supernaturally joined together through relationship by grace. Paul wrote to, the, to his partners in Philippi that they were in his heart and they were both together partakers of God's grace. These kind of ordained relationships are built and sustained by God's grace. The body of Christ is joined together through the support and con- contributions of every joint. The body grows as the joints supply the grace to one another. Okay? And so what happens then is we get to grow in love. Each joint works, pos- works together properly. The body of Christ grows in love. These connections are important because the kingdom, in the kingdom only growth can, can occur in these kind of relationships, and kind of, these kind of connections. The only growth plan is through the body. That's what Jesus has decided. And that's why he poured out grace upon it. And we get to grow in love in that place. And then lastly, we're empowered through connection. You know, a lot of power can come out through a natural agreement, you know, in a business or in a, 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 a purpose that we're working towards. But a greater power comes in agreement that's found in the Holy Spirit. Yeah. Pentecost came out of spiritual agreement, right? 120 people met together. Their hearts were united. They were, they were in they were in the same mind, same heart, and one purpose in constant prayer, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit, right? Overflowing. From that small beginning, the gospel of the kingdom was spread throughout the whole world. Jesus taught about the enormous power that exists when believers come into agreement with each other. He said in Matthew 18, if two of you agree on earth concerning anything you ask, my Father in heaven will do it for you. Heart-to-heart connection is so powerful in the kingdom because it involves two or more believers coming together as an expression of Christ under his authority, this presence actually shows up. When we do. We come together in his name. His presence show, shows up. He's there with us. And it's what he calls us to do. So at Oxford Vineyard, we want to be known for our love. One of our values is creating a culture of honor and authentic relationship. To be a disciple of Jesus with this church means choosing to engage in He's choosing growth when it comes to relationships. So worship band, you guys can come on up. To conclude, we must love like Jesus loved. We must learn to relate to others like Jesus. We want to build healthy connections for the heart where people are safe to communicate and their needs are being met together. We want to receive revelation and gifts and grace that God's placed on, on our, our friends and family. We want to call people to be part of this family and show them what it really looks like. Amen? So let's stand up. We're going to go into worship. I'm going to pray. Father, I thank you. I thank you for designing me with the ability, designing the people around me with the ability and need for deep connection. Jesus, I thank you for modeling what it looks like to connect at a heart level with the people around me. I want to be turned towards people. God, I, I want to turn us towards the people. I want to choose to be turned towards the people around. Holy Spirit, help us. Continue to teach us what healthy connection means and what it looks like. Show us how to connect more with those in our lives. Then we're going to go into worship. As, as we do, we have prayer teams that are in the back. So anytime during worship, at any point or after, please connect with them or someone around you. John's going to share some points and some areas that he felt like God wants to minister this morning.
We also want to say on your way out, there are two handouts on the table right, right near the door there on your way out that I really felt like were valuable things to think about this week. They're written by Danny Silk. One is Seven Pillars of Healthy Relationships, and the second one is Five Ways to Give the Gift of Connection. And There's something I felt would be really helpful for us to go through this week and maybe talk about in our, in our groups this week.